You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. We're going to answer some of your Twitter Tuesday questions, and there's a couple that might take us most of the time, which tends to happen when there's a good question, and we go down a rabbit hole. We're going to continue doing our position-by-position position rankings. We're on the defensive line. Interior, don't think we'll have time to get any of those today, but possibly, but tune in every day because we will continue to do our rankings for the NFL Draft, and of course, check out the Ultimate Mock Draft feed. Everywhere you find podcasts, wherever you found this podcast, you can find the Ultimate Mock Draft on its own feed. We are on day two now, all the way up through pick 11 in that Ultimate Mock Draft with tons of experts, 70-plus experts across this network and other networks and Hall of Famers and former players and analysts. It is an awesome project that Matt and I are both hosting at Speedy Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you find us with these Twitter Tuesday questions. Matt, let's start here. Let's go just full conspiracy theory, weird stuff that happens during draft season. And I know there's been past years where someone takes a snapshot near the draft board and and people amplify it and blow it up and try to see if they can look and find who the who's team's draft board looks like what I think it was the Dallas Cowboys a couple years ago that were pretty careless and took a photo of their draft board and it was put out there that might have been post draft though but that was the year they drafted um, it was the Miles Jack draft because I remember they had Miles Jack really high in their top five and they ended up not selecting him and they took Jalen Smith the other linebacker over him even though he had the injury history that was when they took Zeke Elliott, so that was an interesting draft year. And you got a glimpse of their entire draft board because they took a photo of the owner sitting there posing for photos <laughs> in front of the draft board. And that's something that teams never let get out, even post-draft. Like, post-draft, I would love to see these draft boards, but teams don't want folks to see it. And it's it's frustrating. It is definitely disappointing because there's such a veil of secrecy around these types of things. And you could probably speak to that a little bit. I don't know what stuff was in place when you were in Cleveland to not let that kind of thing out. I don't remember. I'm trying to think about that because we had a fair amount of people in there at any given time, this time of year leading up to the draft. I mean, cap people, some interns, scouts of all shapes and sizes and levels and ranks and position coaches. And uh, I remember being, I mean, maybe I'm misleading, but I want to say there was 20 some people in there at times. So easily, but uh, I'm so old. I mean, my, I don't know if my phone even had a camera on it back then. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I didn't have much of a camera on me 20 years ago. You it's know? all word of mouth. And I always wonder, you know, there's a draft board somewhere that's being built and how many people could get a peek at it. And if there's an intern, like I, I know my old intern self would have been all over that been like oh hey guess what buddy we're this this team is going to take this guy we're going to draft this guy we have this guy ranked here and and here uh, i would be all about it and i'd probably spill the beans at some point if i was that age so it's surprising that anybody would be able to see things before the draft and you can see why things would be leaked and some information is probably correct and some of it's way off but here's one from and this was before we go this, there okay. i want to mention two things along those lines sure. if you don't mind i'm hoping someday I'm close enough with the Steeler organization that post-draft I can go ask Kevin Colbert or whoever and say, can I just go in here and look? You know, I'm not going <laughs> to divulge it on the air. Right. I just want to see how you guys think so I can learn better. 
you know, you're a great organization. I want to see, I haven't seen a draft board in 18 years. I'd like to see who has the red flags, you know, just so I could see it again, just to get another taste of it. I yeah. mean, I'm hope that's like a dream of mine. I mean, maybe one of these days it'll happen. And, and if the, I ever told you, go ahead. I was just going to say what the process looks like now compared to when you were doing it and how different organizations do things differently. It's fascinating just to know how the process works and how they have sure. things set up on draft day because we have all this time to talk about the first pick, right? And we're talking about what's going on at the top of the NFL draft. You have 10 minutes to figure out who you're going to take, and you don't know exactly who's going to be there, especially when things start getting fast in the later rounds. Oh, absolutely. And then there are five minutes as the rounds go on and curious who has medicals and why people fall again, post-draft. I don't need to know the secrets before the sausage is made, yeah. you know, so I can sound smart. I just want to learn. Um, this is probably the time of year when I tell my, my draft prop story from the, the Browns. Have you heard this one? <laughs> no, but I'm interested. Again, phone. I mean, I had a cell phone back then, and I remember one of my best buds from Pittsburgh, who I'm still very close with, calls me an hour before the draft starts and just says, and this is new back then, Matt, I found all these draft props. Can you help me? I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm in the facility. I'll just say yes, no, or avoid. You know, like I'm not going to talk to you and right. say these guys are all going to go. And he starts spitting off draft props, you know, like number of linebackers are going to first round. And I don't know. Uh, oh, yes. Or no. You know, in the end, one of my best buds places 11 bets, pushes on one, hits on 10, doesn't even buy me a beer afterwards. Wow. <laughs> 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 is he still your friend is the question he's one of my closest friends right. and he is a uh, a medical doctor and has helped me in many many ways to keep my body and my friends alive but there still owes me a beer for the that draft class there's the payback that's fantastic yeah I, I, <laughs> we should definitely talk a little bit more about draft props because i got heavily involved yeah, in point. some yeah. draft plop, props a few days ago I didn't put a ton of money down but you know put it put some on on a bunch of them and um, I'm fading the Mac Jones at three, as I'm sure you are not surprised to hear. Oh, um, yeah. But but here's a good one. And I, I want to see if this passes the smell test for Matt Williamson. This is a, a, a snapshot that came to light. And I think it, it I don't know if it was from a, a web, like a, a chat board or like a, somebody took a photo, sent it to somebody else, sent it to somebody else. But essentially, this is what the photo is. It's a desk that's supposedly in the front office somewhere in the building of either the Patriots or the Green Bay Packers. And it looks like a fax that's about to go to the league for an official trade that's going to go down on draft day, potentially, or maybe before. And it consists of quarterback Jordan Love going to the Patriots from Green Bay, and the Patriots would be moving down. They'd be swapping first-round picks, essentially. So the Packers would move up to pick 15, the Patriots would move down to pick, what, 29 is where the Packers are in the first round. There's a fourth-round pick involved, too, I think, going to the Patriots as well. So it would be mm. Love, the 29th pick, and a fourth going to the Patriots, and the Green Bay Packers would get the 15th pick in this year's draft. Your thoughts on this potential trade, if it was somehow real, and I am extremely skeptical that this is at all real. But we had just talked last week about Jordan Love being not talked about at all in this whole mix of quarterbacks and those teams that maybe are in a position that aren't going to get a quarterback in, say, the 15 to 28 range. Jordan Love makes a lot of sense. 
Makes a lot of sense. You know, and it, it, it sticks with the theory. I don't know how many times we've talked about this. When it looked like Brady was going to move on, I've said this 8 million times, that the most interesting thing with me last offseason is what does New England want at the quarterback position? Do they want Mac Jones, Jimmy, Brady, or do they want Newton and Love would sure fit that you know a lot more? You know, I mean, and I think they prefer the athletic running quarterback, dual threat quarterback. So I like that landing spot. I'm kind of mad that I haven't mentioned it before. Like I've mentioned Love to Washington or maybe even Chicago, and Chicago wouldn't work in the division, but I like it quite a bit. I don't trust anything ever gets leaked out of the New England building. I mean, you get your hands chopped off mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> market square. I mean, you'd be you'd be doomed for life and be banned from the league. But I don't think it's a bad move. You know, who would Green Bay be interested in 15? Maybe one of the top corners, Newsom, Sertain, maybe one of the maybe they think a Bama receiver falls there. You know, maybe it's just a good asset and we'll figure it out later. And New England moving back doesn't hurt them much. The only thing that, and if it's a fake trade, you know, it's not a bad one. I kind of like the, no. the the direction this this faker is going, and I love going through the effort of printing out a sheet and, and putting it at a desk. And it's obviously an office desk. There's an office phone there, and like a little day book, and you know, so uh, there, there's some believability to it, which is which is super fun. I don't I I don't think it's real, but here's my question. If the Patriots like Jordan Love, they needed a quarterback last year. They didn't act like they cared about quarterback position at all. And in fact, traded down in the first round when they were in position to draft Love themselves. So how much could they actually like Love and how much more value would he have to them this year than last year? Their opinion can't change. You know what I mean? I mean, whatever you thought of them of him then, you have to think of him now. He didn't take any snaps of value even in the preseason. So how would that change at all? except for your need maybe changes. You know, you're not as high on Stidham or you went this Newton route or, you know, you, you didn't like him enough for the system you had installed a year ago, but now you like him for this system. And I guess everybody's a price, you know I mean? That's not a drastic cost. Some believability because the Patriots don't see, seem like a team that would want to go up to get a quarterback, but this is a way for them to get a talented young quarterback, stay in the first round, move down and do a very Patriot-y sort of a draft day move, right? And and even collect an extra pick in it too with that fourth rounder. That extra fourth rounder in there just makes it feel, uh, makes you it know, feel there's, yeah. there's some believability. So whoever faked it, if it is fake, uh, good job. You don't have to pay Jordan Love signing bonus. He's under a very cost-effective contract for the next four years, including, you know, picking it up, picking up the uh, uh, fifth-year option. So it, it's kind of believable, or it's belie- it's at least believable to me that New England would have interest in Love. It's not crazy that Love will get traded either, and we had just talked about that fact. So um, something to look out for on draft day. Those teams that are on the outside looking in at some of the top quarterbacks in the draft, back end of the first round, I could see it. I could absolutely see it. All right, let's uh, let, let's move on to some other questions here. I want to talk wide receivers, and we got called out on something we said during the ultimate mock draft, Matt. And so I think we're going to have to shuffle up like we did last week with quarterbacks and do that with wide receivers and this current Mm. class versus some of the other class of top receivers next been talking a lot about props at betonline.ag but we got win totals up for the 2021 nfl season Hmm, could those change a little bit post draft the kansas city chiefs 12 and a half over under 
on wins. Their opening total was 11.5 last year. 14 wins in 2020. Is that an easy over for the Kansas City Chiefs who have been to back-to-back Super Bowls? What about the champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're over under four wins in 2021 is 12. What about your team? The Jacksonville Jaguars, six wins. Be a nice improvement for Jacksonville. And I think they have a quarterback and a head coach, first-timers in the NFL that are not used to losing. BetOnline.ag draft props, over-unders on win totals in 2021, NBA, NHL, Major League, baseball, table games, poker. All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at BetOnline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code LOCKEDON when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Mention the Ultimate Mock Draft. Make sure you go to the feed it's on a separate feed ultimate mock draft 2021 through picks 11 already we're going all the way through the first round the teams that don't have first round picks are going to make their first selection whenever that is round two round three and uh, uh, I think I can say that there are some trades coming there there are some shakeups coming so you might not know exactly when your team is going to be on the clock in this mock draft as is the case in the real thing as we just mentioned with some trades some nutty things are going to happen in this NFL draft and some nutty things happen in the ultimate mock draft draft it is super fun hosted by matt williamson and myself check out the other stuff that's going on on the network as well locked on today and the nfl locked on nfl draft crew breaking down the draft we're gonna have a live draft show with the draft network folks as well on the network on the youtube channel so big things happening the nfl never sleeps matt let's get to this i, I hear that guy on locked on niners does pretty well good nice work too <laughs> He's a, he does some things I, right. my brain is ob- honestly pretty scrambled these days i'm jumping on everybody's <laughs> podcast doing videos here and audio there and and hosting this and editing that and like i, I don't even know what's going on anymore you kind of come out of your cave <laughs> at the end of april like all right it's a new day what are we what are we going to talk about now so um i don't know it, it's a, it's a fun time of year i love the nfl draft to be honest it's it, in a lot of ways it's as fun as the real season especially if you're team's bad oh yeah i think it's more fun i mean uh, as much as i love game day i like getting in the it's back to my Steelers conversation about going and see the draft boards i want to get in the heads of very smart football minds yeah. and team builders and you know i always say free agency and especially the draft is the only time teams don't lie to you i mean they, they tell you what you right. think if you can decipher the clues and I always wonder how many clues we can take from these these little small signings that happen right before the draft. Like, say, Gio Bernard gets signed, right? And it's like, well, that team's telling us that they're not drafting that position. They're trying to get their roster set so they're not forced to take a position. And they're telling us where they're going to go with the draft, right? I think that's a great example. I mean, the James Conner is another one. You know, an obvious mm-hmm. position. Sometimes backup guards aren't as obvious to decipher. You know who's going to be on my fantasy team this year in the 12th round? It's Gio Bernard. He might catch 80 <laughs> passes in that offense. And I don't even think he's necessarily that good. Uh, another good one today. Just saw uh, a note that Wayne Gallman's visiting the 49ers. You're talking about Gallman who can catch the ball in a Shanahan offense with some other injury-prone running backs in front of him? Yeah, he can get downhill. Potential league winner there. And and that yeah. I also like that because that means the 49ers wouldn't be drafting a running back early. I don't think they would have anyway, but uh, you know how I feel about drafting running backs early. So uh, I like seeing that the 49ers are just going to go sign a veteran and, and complete that depth chart before draft day if that does happen. All right, this tweet from Quite Terrific on Twitter. He says, at Williamson NFL, at BD Peacock, on the Ultimate Mock Draft pod, you guys said you don't consider Chase a wide receiver you take in the top five. Can you compare rank him against other wide receivers taken in the top five to ten 
over the last 10 seasons. He goes on to say also, how would Devontae Smith compare rank since I believe he's Brian's number one? It's a smart listener, and he has been listening. I do like, actually, Devontae Smith a little bit more than Chase, not a ton, and I would take neither one of them in the top five, partially because of the second-round wide receivers that you can get. And if you looked at the second-rounders in all these seasons that we're going to talk about, the five to ten, uh, the, the wide receivers taken in the top five to ten, that's probably the biggest reason that you're not taking one of these guys in the top five unless they are a freak of a freak. And I think our point on the Ultimate Mock Draft Matt, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but essentially it's like, all right, if you're Calvin Johnson, if you're Julio Jones, I think A.J. Green was worthy of that, and there's been very few others. It's it's just not someone something I'm going to take in the top five. You can be the best wide receiver in a class and still not be someone I'm looking to take in the top five. I didn't want to take Judy, Lamb, Ruggs, Jefferson, any of those guys in the top five last year, even though I liked a lot of them. A lot. To unpe- I'm not exactly how it came out of my mouth, but reading this tweet, I, I think that I need to explain myself better because I think Chase is a top five player in this draft. I clearly have him as my number one receiver. No offense to Devontae Smith, who's a good player. I think Chase is a great prospect. And nine out of 10 years or eight out of 10 years, he would probably be my number one. I liked him better, better than Lamb, Judy, Ruggs, for example. I mean, some of these guys have come out recently. But to your point is what I think you're saying is it's almost like the running back argument, but the best receivers in the league are Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas and, you know, all these, I can go on and name so many day two receivers that were excellent. I mean, even just last year, I'm looking at draft history right now, you know, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault, Chase Claypool, you know, all those guys were cheap second rounders, you know, and they're not much different than the first rounders. So that in itself is just a value situation. I have no problem if the Bengals take chase or whatever in this particular draft, it makes a lot of sense, but I think better business is waiting till day two. I always bring up the Steelers, but they've drafted one four years in a row and, you know, Juju Washington, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, it allows them to use that first round pick elsewhere I would love to – I'm looking at this, and if you don't mind, I'd kind of like to spit out some of these guys that did go in the top 10 just as a frame of reference. Absolutely. Okay. None last year. None the year before. In fact, Marquise Brown was the first one at 25. The year before, DJ Moore was the first at 24. Corey Davis went five. Mike Williams went seven. John Ross went nine. <laughs> that was a weird year. Yeah. And I think we can all say – even at the time, that seemed a little rich, especially for Ross. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it hasn't worked out. I mean, they're not terrible players, the top two, and they're coming to their own, but not worth it. Corey Coleman was the first one in 16. That's a late pick. Amari Cooper is a good example to me at four overall at 2015. I would say him and Chase are awfully similar in terms of grades, really, really good players not special size or special traits, but really good prospects. And I think everyone's happy with Amari Cooper, you know, the Raiders and Dallas subsequently. Cooper, he's fine, yeah. but he's not good oh, yeah. all fame. Absolutely. And, you know, he was even traded from his team, so it wasn't a situation where he was so good that he was going to, you know, get his jersey hung in the rafters of the team that drafted him. Right, 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 exactly. I mean, but then Kevin White was seven that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins was a lot like Chase to me in terms of great receiver class, 
all of us, I mean, thought he was a special, special player. And the Bills traded up heavy to get him. He didn't work out. He hasn't been horrible. But he looked like a transcendent player. But he doesn't have special size. You know, I mean, the guys that went after him, Evans at 7 and Beckham at 12, clearly have had better careers. You know, like he's of a... Uh, a case study of hmm, don't that's a little scary. You know, I think Sammy Watkins actually might be the best comp so far. Yeah, yeah. As far as explosion, height, weight, speed, and I thought Sammy Watkins played faster. And I think I would probably, if I mix these up here, which is what we're being asked to do, would have Sammy Watkins ahead of Chase as just a prospect. That's but prospect. even then, I thought, oh wow, okay, the Bills are going to trade up into the top five for Sammy Watkins I thought Sammy Watkins was going to be going closer to the seven to 12 range where Mike Evans and Odell Beckham went and I thought Odell Beckham that year was going to go more in the 20s range and, and it turns out everybody liked those wide receivers a little more and um, I think I think it's becoming clear too as you name all of these receivers that teams are chasing the wrong attributes as well yeah, that's chasing, what I'm going with here yeah, absolutely height and speed I mean, and that's year, not the Tavon most important. Austin goes eight Oh, Tavon. So fun. I mean, that was the funnest. <laughs> right. That's the funnest college tape I think I've ever seen since I've really been following this thing and following the NFL draft. Tavon Austin was a video game at West Virginia. Yeah. And it's hard to translate, though. You know, I mean, you're, and then the year before, Justin Blackman at five. I mean, I know he had off the field stuff, but he couldn't separate. I mean, he wasn't a great route runner explosion guy. I mean, that was a, a miss in a big, big way. And then there's some examples of where it works out. You know, you mentioned 2011, A.J. Green at four, Julio at six. But those guys are tall, big human beings. You know, um, there isn't one in 2010. Demarius Thomas is the first one. Mm -hmm. Hayward Bay at seven. But Mel and Todd and all of us rolled our eyes saying Al Davis is the only one that would have done that. (laughs) That was an Al Davis special for sure. But, yeah, you're – They're walking mismatches, right? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for a walking mismatch, not just a really nice player, not just a player that's like, okay, I can see him being explosive. Um, We've got a break here for a second, and I want to continue this conversation because it's important and compare to this and and talk about why we have the take we have as it pertains to Jamar Chase, who's a really good prospect. I think that needs to be said again. We like him. We both like him. He's a really good prospect, but I'm just not – um, I'm not running the card in to be super excited about taking him in the top five. I think that's the takeaway here. Let's talk more about this next and, and how we would compare these receivers. One reason to repair and maintain your car yourself is to save money. And then you can use that for other important things like the mortgage or food or whatever it is you want to spend your money on rather than going to some super expensive repair shop because you didn't take care of the things you could do on your own. Why would you choose to spend, say, 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? The guy's behind the counter on his computer. You can't see the screen. You don't know what's on that screen. They might have a very limited stock of items to select from. That is not the case at rockauto.com. An unbelievable selection of any parts you could imagine for your car or truck at rockauto.com. For example, a Delphi fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. Yeah, they got it. It's about $150 cheaper at rockauto.com than a big chain store. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, just 
so we, you ran through all the the top ten guys in the last, the first round guys essentially. In I'm the not last done though. Ten years. Oh, you're still going. Okay, <laughs> let's go back. Let's keep going. Okay, because there's a couple here that work out. I mean, there's a couple. They all look the same in a way. From 2007 back a couple years, Calvin Johnson was number two in 2007. That's the prototype. That's the one you run to the table. That's what Kyle Pitts is to me. I mean, mm-hmm. call him whatever you want. Um, back in 2005. Braylon Edwards, we've talked to, you know, go back to yesterday, we've seen a lot of Braylon Edwards, and that didn't mostly work out, but at least he fits the mold. Larry, a third pick overall, and then Roy Williams, a seventh pick overall in 2004. I get those. And then in 2003, as far as I'm going to go back, I'll stop. Charles Rogers at two, Andre Johnson at three. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't remember Charles Rogers. He might be my second-ranked receiver coming out of school of all these guys we listed, but only behind Calvin. Wow. That's saying He was something. unbelievable. He was dynamic. He was fast, big. Where would all the big wide receivers go, by the way? Yeah, right. I mean, all those guys we talked about are 6'2 plus, and some of them are 6'4", 6'5", especially the hits. So there's a couple things when it comes to Jamar Chase, and somebody recently— I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, compared him to Andre Johnson. So I'm kind of glad you went all the way back to Andre Johnson. I thought, oh, you know what? That is actually a really good comp because a bully at the catch point, right? But mm-hmm. Andre Johnson was much two plus and yeah. uh, played even faster, longer arms, and just uh, the bully ball aspect of it, plus the explosion and the separation was better with Andre Johnson, but I get the play style comparison. Uh, I'm taking Andre Johnson every day, I think, as a prospect coming out over what I see from Jamar Chase. The short arms is is worrisome because of how much Jamar Chase won at the catch point. He got compared, I think, a lot, and I think Daniel Jeremiah is one of them that compared him to Anquan Bolden, a faster Anquan Bolden, but Bolden, again, mm-hmm. was bigger. Um, Jamar Chase a lot faster, absolutely. The ball skills are important. Can you win dirty? Can you win through contact? Jamar Chase can, which is why he might not compare to some of these busts that we're talking about. But again, the track record is not great at all. And if it, just the wide receiver, it's the it's the reason I like Devontae Smith because it's hard to figure out why he's good. He's just good. And that's what I love about wide receivers. He gets open, makes the catches, dynamite ball skills, knows exactly what's going on when he sees the defense in front of him, can make plays, makes life on his quarterback easy. I just didn't see that level from Jamar Chase, even though he's a really explosive, rocked-up guy, and the statistics were all there. And maybe I'm completely wrong about Jamar Chase, but that's why I've got Devontae Smith more. He's just a better baller just a better player and sometimes it's really hard to put a pin in what exactly makes a wide receiver great yes i have two more notes on this and i think they're they're very important because going back to 2003 as i was reading off those tops guys drafted i was glancing at the second and third round receivers back then there weren't guys like there are now i mean it's just it's not even close i mean you weren't getting t higgins in the second round or chase claypool or metcalf you know like there's just way more supply than there was. There's more demand, too. There's more three-receiver sets, but the supply is much greater. And then to your point, first-round receivers that bust, like the proto-child or the, the prototypical guy here is Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, are the non-separators. You know, it, it, when we look back and say, these are all the receivers that bust. They're either the little fast guys like Tavon Austin that couldn't get in quote, in space in the NFL like they could in in college or the non-separators. And 
Devontae Smith is a separator, a route runner, you know, a technician. I think Chase is, but we might look back and say he was a contested catch guy and didn't get away from NFL corners quite the same. You can't bully him like you used to, you know. Yeah, you can't bully him. You can't run around guys like you can in the NFL. I think just the speed and how good and how smart and how good defenses are and the windows are so tight and um, uh, ball skills are, are very important. So I do like that for Jamar Chase. And I'm not trying to call him a bust or anything like that. No. But I'm just saying, gosh, man, um, if if Kyle Pitts is there, if you've got a quarterback need and one of the top quarterbacks is there, you're going that way. Uh, if I'm the Bengals, I'm taking Penny Sewell. It's one of those things where Jamar Chase would just start to fall a little bit and he probably won't end up in the top five of my mock draft for a reason, but I would also be surprised if he's still there when pick 10 is on the board. Right. So it's not like I think he's a bad prospect. I'm just not, I just, you got to pump the brakes. And I hear people, I think there was a quote from Ian. Yeah, here it is. A quote from Ian Rappaport, a random draft quote of the day. He says from a top evaluator on LSU wide receiver, Jamar Chase quote, best wide receiver prospect since Julio and Warren Sharp's reply to that. And we love Warren Sharp, smart guy, Mm -hmm. top 15 wide receivers drafted since Julio. When we named them all, Michael Ford, all Justin right, Blackman, yeah. Tavon Austin, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Kevin White, Mari Cooper, Devontae Parker, Corey Coleman, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Those are the top, those were the highest receivers drafted since Julio. Julio. It's hard to find a Julio. I like just throwing those names out there if you're a top evaluator seems especially if you're a top evaluator, that seems willy nilly. Like that's, that's kind of, that's, it's crazy talk to put that out there because nobody ever, nobody ever does. It's, it's so rare that you actually have that. And there's a reason that yeah. those high end wide receivers bust. And there's a lot of injuries that are a factor in a lot of these things too. It's just not that easy to play that position in the NFL and height, weight, speed uh, is usually not the thing that gets you there. Yeah. Oh, speed is very overrated. Um, I have two more notes now. <laughs> in terms of Julio, he may, to me, I think he's probably my third best receiver ever. I mean, behind Moss and Rice. I mean, like, that's an all-time great comparison. I mean, I know we're talking about prospects, but that's lofty to your point. And then I mentioned, you know, Treadwell as the non-separator. I was looking just over the last five years, a couple other examples. Nikhil Harry never was a separator at Arizona State. Mm-mm. Treadwell wasn't at Mississippi. Josh Doxson was not at TCU. I mean, those were jump ball guys. They're not route runners. They're all bad. Right. And I, I would even put, in fact, now that I think about it, Kevin White is not a bad comp. Kevin White was bigger. Right. Big and Kevin fast. Kevin White was so tight and linear with his explosion. And that's, and I, I see some of that with Jamar Chase. Uh, like that just power, straight line player. You can run straight by guys and you can go up over the top Throw of guys them. in college, and that just doesn't happen as much and as easy in the NFL. You've got to have a looseness to you. Kevin White has zero looseness. Yeah, Kevin White has zero. And I'll be honest, I mean, I like Chase more than almost all these guys we've mentioned. You know, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Right. But, you know, there is, let's learn from history too. Yeah. And I think it, saying he's not Julio is not saying he's a bad prospect either. So it sounds like we're crushing <laughs> right. him. And I, I feel like I'm doing that a lot with Mac Jones either because I keep talking about how it's insane to take him at number three overall. He's a fine prospect. He might be a good quarterback, but we're talking about drafting someone in the top five. You got to be special. You got to check a lot more boxes to me. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole other argument, a whole other podcast, though. Okay. Well, who do I take? Yes. 
Right. And yeah, so and top five mean, gets a lot easier. That's why it's easier to take someone like Jamar Chase when you're sitting there at pick 12. It's like, well, I got no choice but to take this stud sure. or prospect, right? But if you're at pick five, well, I've got Kyle Pitts. I've got quarterbacks. I've got potentially, uh, you know, a franchise offensive tackle to protect my quarterback, who, by the way, just got his ACL torn because he got hit too much in his rookie season. What are we doing here for drafting a wide receiver when we can get a pretty good guy in the second round? We just got a pretty good guy in the second round last year. We're going to draft a top five wide receiver. So that's why a team like the Bengals makes no sense if they're drafting someone like Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell to me. And I hear you. And, you know, some of the logic is, well, you use those picks on corners and tackles and pass rushers, but that doesn't mean I'm taking Samuel Cosby at 10. Or Newsom <laughs> right. at nine, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, they're, they're yeah they're to a point. Like you can say on paper going into the draft, look, we we want to build from the trenches, but you don't want to get a silly with it either. If you've got a Hall of Fame guy staring you in the face, then you take that player and you go find an uh, you know an offensive lineman later. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. And I think that applies. We'll disagree on this, but I think that applies to running backs as well. You know, if Christian yeah. McCaffrey's there, or you know Zeke. I don't know. I like even McCaffrey because, and we don't have time for this conversation. But even no, McCaffrey, it's not like his team was winning games. I, I was no. At, most of those guys are not winning games, right? I mean, I was at Levi's Stadium when the 49ers completely destroyed the Packers, and uh, Christian McCaffrey on your fantasy team looked great. He had a hundred and something yards from scrimmage. It was the third quarter. They were down by three scores, and he rattled off this huge long run. Like he wasn't helping them win a game. He wasn't going to bring them back. And he had this awesome stat line and they got completely blown out and dominated. No, I mean, the giants didn't start turning into a winning organization after drafting Barkley. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Number two, like it's just, you can't, it's, it's too easy a position to find. And we're, we're almost starting to see that with wide receivers a little bit, definitely not even close to where we are with running backs, but you are not adding wins to your football team. If you draft a first round running back period, even if you draft a hall of famer, like it's, it's gone that far for me. Like I just don't, I won't touch them. Uh, I get it. I, 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 this, again, this is way long of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Receiving backs though, I think make it a little different. You know, it the does. weapons, the McCaffrey's, the Kamara's, I know Kamara was not a first round pick, but well, you still have to, you still have to hit a player, you know, bring in that Panthers and 49ers back into it. When the 49ers in 2017 drafted Solomon Thomas, I'd rather have Christian McCaffrey cause he's a better player. Like if you sure, draft a sure. bust instead of the running back, that doesn't help either. Right. I mean, the Panthers aren't trading McCaffrey for Solomon Thomas. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Right. right. Good. Interesting. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, fun question. And of course, that took up the entire podcast, but I appreciate it quite <laughs> right, terrific as usual. for asking us that. It's a lot of fun. Matt and I, as you know, like to geek out on the draft when it comes to these types of things. And that, uh, that's why it's so fascinating to bring this whole thing full circle. Seeing a draft board. I mean, that, that I don't care what team put me in a draft room. I will be the quietest mouse in the corner. I won't take notes. I will not take any photos. I just want to see the process because I geek out on this thing. And it's so fascinating to see how so many different teams do it so differently and how difficult it is and how often they get it wrong. That's what's so fascinating to me. The one thing I still know for sure is it would blow all of our listeners and me, even me and you away, how much more they know than we do. Oh my gosh. And they, they still don't get it right all the time. Yes, they have an, and maybe over analysis, right? Has to play a part in some maybe. in some cases. But I mean, in terms of the boy, the, this medical and this uh, the, you know, he oh, doesn't get right. along with women well or yeah. you know whatever it is. You know, all these off the field yeah, stuff. First hand you know, accounts of the guy who used to be his neighbor and uh what he was doing the night before game day and you know, photos from to something that that they found and police reports and like crazy stuff. We have no idea. 
I'll never forget. I, I tell this story every year too. Sitting in the war room, we needed a fullback that year in, with the Browns and just a, a hammerhead blocking old school fullback. And like five of the six draftable fullbacks all had substance abuse issues, namely drinkers. Mm-hmm. And I forget what coach was like, do you need to be a drinker to become a fullback or be, is it a chicken <laughs> or an egg situation? You know, being a lead blocking fullback, does it drive you to drink over the years or does it take a, a, a heavy drinker to decide they're going to, that's what they're going to do for a living? Right. The mentality it would funny, take yeah. for someone to want to be a human battering ram, it might be wired <laughs> right, a little right. bit differently. Right. I, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to start talking about the uh, the background on Najee Davenport because there's some stories about him back in the oh, day when you brought yeah. up fullbacks. I mean, all these guys have background. Me and you have background. You know, like if right. there's a room full of people breaking down, you know, every minute of my life, it wouldn't go so swell either. Oh, imagine the stories when you get together with your best buddies from your oh, late man. teens, early 20s and talk about the stories and the dumb crap you used to do. Right. And if every GM had access to that to some degree or, you know, even half of it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. Good stuff. We got to go. Fun Thanks, one. everybody, for listening. Thanks for all the questions. Keep them coming. Next Tuesday, we will hit some more and we'll continue to break down position by position rankings for the 2021 NFL draft tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.